Praise the Lord. Turn with me, if you will, to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 10, one more time. We have been talking uh, about the key to life, amen, uh, over the last couple weeks. Actually, we've kind of been touching on it, maybe about the last three weeks, uh, a little bit on it a few weeks back, and then last two weeks, definitely. And talking about the key to life, and uh, the key to life is to make Him your life, amen. The more you make God your life, the more you walk in that abundant life, amen. So let's look at the key verse uh, and just do a little, uh, uh, little brief review uh, until we move into what we have for you today. It says the thief. Everybody say the thief. How many know there's a thief? Look at your neighbor and say, don't be ignorant. Come on now. Come on. Don't be ignorant. There's a thief. All right. Now what's the thief do? He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's what the thief does. Now Jesus, of course, is the one talking here in this text. It's a... And of course, it doesn't show on here, but in your Bibles, it should be letters in red. Praise God. Years ago, a brother said, uh, uh, when I was just, just getting into this, uh, you know, uh, he had uh, talked about when he was in Bible school. And he says, you know, we, we kind of got stirred up for the things of God. We were on fire. And, and he says, we were kind of radicals, you know, in the group. And he said, me and the few guys that were that way, he says, all I knew is that, uh, you know, in my heart is you read the red and pray for the power. Praise God. Amen. And I thought, amen, that was words to live by. So that's, that's I took that as my own. Amen. I thought that's what I'm going to do. Read the red and pray for the power. Praise God. So Jesus is talking. He says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill and destroy. But I've come. Why? That they may have life. Amen. And that they may have it more abundantly. Praise God. How many are ready for some life? How about ready for a more abundant life? Amen. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Amen to that. Praise God. Now, um, the, uh, let's see here. Let's give some definitions here. Praise God. Actually, let's do some translation. Let's do uh, the message translate. Karen, if you could put that up there. This is what the message translation says. He says, uh, let's see, I'm the Gideon. Let's go to uh, down. I want verse 10. Let's go down to verse 10. Oh, yeah, let's go all the way down here. There it is. A thief is only there. I see what it is. A thief is only there. Here we go. Next one. To steal and kill and destroy. Now, this is the message translation. Uh, I have come so that they can have, here we go, real and eternal life. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. I mean, that's the kind of life you're called to. Now, for whatever it's worth, we did touch on this last week, but the words eternal life, the word eternal itself means perpetual or ongoing. The word life is the Greek word zoe, okay, which refers to a life, a perpetual life or abundant life. The word life, amen, is actually defined as absolute life, okay? So what it means is it's pure life. The absence, the, the absence of darkness, the absence of curse, the absence of death. Amen. So the abundant life is absent of the curse. The abundant life is absent of death. Right? Come on, as a believer, you're never going to taste death anyway. Well, someday this old body's going to fall off like an old dirty suit. Come on, somebody. But you're going to go on, amen, to be absent from this body. Amen. This tent means to be present with Him. Amen. So it's that kind of life. So how many know when you get to heaven, you're going to definitely experience absolute life? Right? Well, He said, man, to pray, you know, that that you know, kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? So we can start tapping that life right now. Now, the reason I mention that is because out of John 17, Jesus defines eternal life or that perpetual Zoe life, that abundant life. He says it begins in knowing Him. 
You tapped eternal life when you made Jesus Lord of your life. The greatest miracle that could ever happen to a human being is making Jesus Lord. You went from being uh, hell-bound to being heaven-bound in a split second. Why? Because that absolute life, you tapped it. Now, the problem is, is we, we tapped it then, and then somehow or another we, we, we discard it or we look away from it or walk away from it, when the whole time that absolute life is present, that absolute life is available for you and me all the time. Amen. So Jesus said, this is eternal life, knowing the only true God and the one in whom he sent. That's when you begin to tap eternal life. You know, most folks think that someday when you get to the sweet by and by. It started when you made Jesus Lord of your life. Now, what he's trying to do is to get you to experience that life on a day-to-day basis. Can I hear a big amen? amen. How many, could, how many could, uh, you know, could afford to have a little more of that absolute life happening in your life? Only seven of you. Wow. Well, for the seven that, that raised their hand, amen, this is going to be a great message for you. How many in here could use a little bit more of the absolute life? Uh, come on, a little better. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, so this is the message translation. Let's see. Give me the Amplified. Let's read the Amplified. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life. I like that. How many know we should enjoy this thing? I mean, man, I mean, we got to enjoy this. Some people look like they've been baptized in lemon juice, man. They're like, I got saved. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Get me out of here quick. You know, that ain't the way we're supposed to live. Come on, man. We got, man, we got abundant life. Praise God. Amen. One brother said it this way. You ought to be fighting devils all the way out, man. When he comes to get you, he almost has to take your feet first. Because you're just swinging at every... Well, anyway, get your own picture. But I think it's, amen, the way I look at it, amen, we're here for purpose. Let's do it. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. So uh, let's see. One more translation. I got the N- uh, NLT, which is the New Living Translation. It says it this way. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, I love how he said it here. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Praise God. That sounds like good stuff. Come on, somebody. Anybody in agreement with that today? All right, now uh, what we've been talking about over the last few weeks here a little bit um, is this thing, uh, this, this abundant life, this Zoe life, this absolute life, praise God. And um, what happens is if we're not making Him our life, then we don't tap the key to this kind of life. You just go live your life however, and guess what? Even as a child of God, the Word says this, that you can be uh, alienated from the life of God. He's talking to believers. He ain't talking to the world. You can be alienated and literally means a non-participant of the life of God. All because we're moving along in life and little by little, uh, we're, we're, just ta- we're, not, we're not tapping abundant life. We're, we're just letting life itself, just life, this normal, lifeless existence, so to speak, begin to just kind of filter in, pretty soon takes over, pretty soon you don't even realize it, you're just living the same life anybody out there is living, come on somebody, when all along we should be tapping abundant life. Can I hear a big amen? Amen. Amen. You know, if you start tapping abundant life, you don't have a day uh, that's down in the dumps. Come on somebody, you're no longer depressed, 
You're no longer, uh, you know, beaten down. You're no longer feeling like you're getting run over by the bus every other day. Come on, somebody. When you start tapping that abundant life. Amen. Are you still with me? Okay, now put the, uh, the Passion Translation, Karen, if you put that up there for me. And then we're going to kind of start spinning into what we have to do today. A thief has only one thing in mind. Now, according to this whole chapter, he's talking about, you know, uh, you know, entering in by the door, the main door. But he says the thief always tries to sneak in some other way because he's not welcome in the main door. So he tries to sneak in. And so he comes in to try to take. And so that's what ends up happening when you just let just normal existence manifest. The thief just kind of slithers in, takes a little here, takes a little there, takes this, destroys this, messes with this. He's a taker of life, whereas Jesus is a giver of life. Are you still with me? Now, you have to make that choice. What kind of life do you want to live? And that's what we really focused on the last couple of weeks. You have to make a decision. you got to choose life. I said, you got to choose life. Now, he goes on to tell you how you make those choices. Amen. By making him, uh, you know, the word says, love the Lord your God. And that whole text there in uh, uh, Deuteronomy 30 brings out uh, that word means to love the Lord your God there. It means to literally to develop a relationship with, to commune with, to fellowship with, to get to know, to befriend. Amen. So you start, it starts with befriending God. Amen. When you made Jesus Lord of your life, that's what you started. You started a relationship. But you got to develop that relationship. you got to maintain that relationship. Amen. You know, when I married my wife, I mean, I chased her since, you know, freshman in high school. Oh, yeah. And boy, you bet, baby. You know, man, I see something, I'm after it. I'm in it to win it, baby. Yeah, I walked in the first door, the first time in our freshman class, and there she was sitting in the front row. I thought, mm-hmm, that's mine, that's mine. Yeah. Now, she, for some reason, she didn't agree with it. <laughs> well, you know, you know it's, it's that she should have took her own advice right then. You need to open the door, sister. Anyway, leave it alone. Hallelujah. I'll leave that alone. Anyway, she, you know, it took a little while. I had to chase her. I had to do things. I even took her to a dance one time. She left me right in the middle of the dance. Can you believe that? Isn't that rude? No, no, honey. No, no. Right now, we're gonna, I'm going to get this off my chest here. Been, um, <clears throat> but it didn't matter. You know what? She, you know, going up, you know, she didn't dance with the one that brung her. That's Okay. I'm still in it to win it. I want it. I stayed with it. Amen. I said I stayed with it. Now, the point is, praise God, there is a point to all this. Amen. The point is, praise God, you know, that no matter what was going on around, no matter who is, you know, thinking this or thinking that, little by little, praise God, when you stay with it, praise God, you start developing that and keep developing that, praise God, keep working on that, praise God, guess what, more and more, praise God, things begin to come to pass, are you hearing me? And that relationship that I had with her in the beginning kept growing, kept developing, kept growing, kept developing. Now, we could have got married and I, we, and I could have just stopped talking to her. Well, I won that. Oh, well. A lot of people do that stuff. You know, and then after about, you know, a few days, a few months, a few years, she might look at you and go, dude, something wrong with you. 
right? There's nothing there, and it, there's nothing happening. There's nothing vibrant anymore. There's nothing alive anymore. It's, it's just same old stuff. Everybody out there in the world, and, no di- and it, there's nothing there. There's no life to it. Well, it's no different with your, your walk with God. You don't just get saved and all of a sudden, okay, whatever happens, happens now. You've got to develop that relationship. You've got to work on that relationship. And that's the beginning of this life. That's the key to life is first and foremost creating a relationship and maintaining that relationship with God. Then it says, then obey his voice. So then as he begins to commune and talk with you, follow it. Let him lead you through life. Let him show you some things. Let him help you with some things. Come on, right? And that's going to make more sense here in a minute. All right? So let him help you with these things. And then in the end, what we found out, there were three major things. So it's love the Lord your God or develop that, you know, befriend him. Then obey his voice. And then it said cling to him. Right? And all that meant was have a commitment. Make a commitment. In all areas of your life. And that's, we kind of finished with that last week. Last week. Remember the four chairs I had up here last week? Amen. Make a commitment in these areas of your life. Praise God. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Amen. In all areas. Make that commitment. That's what it means there. Uh, that new covenant word love in that particular text means to a commitment, a vibrant commitment. I'm committed in these areas of my life. Amen. So you do these things, you now have the key to life, and if you have the key to life, you can begin to live that life, praise God. Amen? Put that translation back up, the passion translation. The problem is there's a thief. And if we're not maintaining that relationship, if we're not following when he leads, when we're not committed in these areas of our life, what happens now? It's an open door. Now, the thief isn't allowed in the front door, but boy, he knows how to sneak in the back window. He knows how to sneak in, you know, somehow, you know, uh, you know and, and get in. The problem is when he gets in, uh, the enemy just, he just doesn't want to leave unless you tell him he has to leave. See, there's a thief. And the problem is, you know, you let him in the house, it ain't long, he's moved you out of the master, and he's in there now. You let him in the car, it ain't long, he's driving. Come on, somebody. There's a thief, okay? And we have to be aware that there's a thief. There's a thief. All right? The thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal slaughter, destroy. Again, Jesus said, I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you would ever expect, right? More than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. Now, that's what Jesus wants. See, there's a lot of people that go, well, Jesus Lord of my life and how come I'm not experiencing that I mean why isn't God doing this for me what's he got against me well he ain't got nothing against you it's still available it's all there we have a thief I said we have a thief you know it amazes me and I know this house I mean you know I've been in this pulpit a lot of years and there's some of you have been hearing me preach for a lot of years. Some of you maybe not quite as long, but 
but at least anybody's been here long enough. I mean, when I say we have an enemy, there ain't nobody here wouldn't agree with it. You've been here long enough to know we have an enemy. But it does amaze me, though, that a lot of times when you're going through things, how much time, how many times you'll blame yourself, blame your, 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 uh, you know, your friend or your uh, brother in Christ, or, or blame God. I mean, no, God ain't never your problem. Say, well, eh, eh, you know, it's, it's, it's my neighbor. He's, he's my problem. Well, well, you know, neighbors sometimes can be stinkers. There's no doubt about it. But no matter how much of a stinker your neighbor is, they can't control your life. They don't dictate your life. That shouldn't determine whether you experience abundant life or not. You know, you, you might say, I'm my worst, my own worst enemy. Well, that, that could be, that could be sometimes. Uh, there's been a few folks that I've, you know, kind of watched them over the years and think, yeah, sometimes they, they have a tendency to shoot themselves in the foot once or twice. Come on. But how many know that Jesus already paid a price for all that? That even if you've made mistakes, you can still tap abundant life, amen, if you know who you are, who your source is, amen, and who your enemy is. Now, we're not excusing anything. We're just saying that, uh, you know, uh, well, we're going to actually see this here in a minute, but, but uh, all that happens a lot of times is the door gets open and the enemy, the thief, sneaks in and tries to take. All right? Now, the point being made, and this is where we're going with this today, we have an enemy. We have an enemy. And you've got to be aware that we have an enemy. The Word says don't be ignorant about it. Don't be ignorant of his devices and, and what he does and how he does things. Amen. That doesn't mean you give it, you know, the glory to the enemy. That don't mean you sit here and give him all kinds of credit. But the, but the bottom line is you better know who your enemy is. Are you okay with this? So in this text here, it brings out that we have Jesus who's a giver of life. But we see in this text the other kind of life is where the thief's in control and he's taking life. Somehow he's trying to ruin your life, trying to steal, kill, or destroy. Still with me? So let's take a few minutes. We're going to look a little bit about this enemy, and then we're going to talk about resisting him, all right? Now, I said this earlier, and I'm going to say it again, all right? If you came to hear something, you're going to get something. It'll change your life. Are you still with me? Because sometimes all it is is you need to just take a few minutes and resist your enemy. Stop being mad at God, mad at yourself, mad at your neighbor. Come on, and resist the enemy, all right? And you might find that things begin to shift and change. Are you still with me? So, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but that's okay. All right, so let's look at a couple, couple references here, okay? Uh, 1 Peter 5, verse 8, Karen, if you put that up. It says this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, see, you have an enemy. You have an adversary who, the devil, all right, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, look at your neighbor and say, he may not hear. Amen. Now, we're going to come back to this reference here in a bit, but we find in this text that we have an adversary. Okay, the thief is what we call an adversary. He's an enemy. He opposes you. And in this particular text, it says he's out to devour you if he can. He wants to take anything he can. And if you don't call him out on it, he'll just keep taking. Still with me? 
All right, so we see here he's an adversary and he's a devourer, okay? Let's look at another text. Acts 10, please. Put that up. We'll kind of run through a bunch of these real fast, Karen, okay? All right, so Acts 10 and 38 says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Now, this is, of course, uh, you know, this is uh, where Peter now is talking uh, with really his first experience of ministering to the Gentiles. Amen. Hallelujah. And so here he is at their home ministering to some Gentiles, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God poured out on him. And, man, he's like taken back. You know, it's amazing. But he begins to kind of teach and define some things. He said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and with power, pardon me, who went about doing what? What What does Jesus do? He does good. Let's just settle it right now. Who does good? That's right. See, God's good, devil bad. God good, devil bad, devil bad, God good. Just settle it. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, to whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. God good, devil bad. Jesus good, devil bad. Come on. He went about doing? I'm sorry, he went about doing? What did he do? He went about doing good and what? Healing. Healing all, oh who were oppressed by the devil. So who does the oppressing? Who does the healing? Come on now. Who's, who, who oppresses? Who does the healing? Okay, who's good? Who's bad? You got to settle it. Because when, when you're feeling oppressed and then you're blaming God for your oppression, you've got it mixed up. And what you don't know is the thief snuck in and is taking, and he'll keep taking because... You don't know who the enemy is. But once you find out, you can take your ground, amen, and send that boy, amen, packing, praise God, send him on out the door, praise the Lord. So who's good? Who does healing? Who oppresses? Who's bad? All right, good, good job. You're doing good. Praise the Lord. You would have got an A on that test. All right, praise the Lord. Now, let's look at another one. John 8, 44, please. So the enemy oppresses, so the thief is an oppressor. Jesus is a healer and a doer of good. All right. Now, you are, now here he is talking to some religious leaders, amen, who are just saying things they shouldn't be saying. And he says this, you're of your father the devil. Now, that'd be, what a statement. Woo! You're of your father the devil. And the desires of your father uh, you want to do. He was a murderer, look at that, from the beginning. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. He's the father of lies. That means every every deception, every lie, we know where it comes from. Every evil report, we know where it comes from. Now, come on, work with me here. Because sometimes we're going along and we get an evil report and somehow we want to say, well, you know, maybe God in this infinite wisdom. Whoa, 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 breaks. Who's good? Who's bad? Who's the oppressor? Who's the healer? Okay. Now, this says the enemy, the thief's a liar. And he's a father of it. He speaks from his own resources. That's all he can do is lie. Now, he might have, he might, 
on a lie. He might try to slither in there something on just, you know, maybe just take a little tint, a little hint, a little piece of a truth, and then twist it. He's real good at that. He did that in the garden. All right, now I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But anyway, who's the liar? All right. The enemy's a liar. The thief's a liar. He comes in. He says, I belong here. What do you do? Hey, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're a liar. Get out of here. I'm coming in. I'm taking everything you got. He's a liar. So what's that mean? You should start laughing. <laughs> I have to laugh. <laughs> Devil. Because you're a liar. Because you can't take anything from me. Because I'm a child of God. Hey, you're a liar, devil. Get out of here. All right. So when the lies come, what do you do? <laughs> you got to get the hand and everything in it. <laughs> I have to laugh. Somebody said, you're weird. Yeah, but I'm free. I'm walking in abundant life. Anybody with me? Yeah. All right, so you better know who your enemy is. Okay, let's look at another one. Look at another one. Oh, man, it's going way slower than I wanted to. Revelations 12. We better look at it. We're in a couple of verses here. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old. He was cast out. He's no longer allowed in heaven. How many know that to be true? He's been cast out, all right? And he, he's, he's defining him. That great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old. Talking about, you know, out of Genesis, right? Called, we're going to do, just so you know who we're talking about, the devil and Satan. Huh? Who deceives the whole world. What's he do? He deceives. He's a manipulator. He deceives. And he was cast to the earth and his angels cast out with him. Now, that's good news. He was cast down. Amen. So we see in this text, there's more being said here, but we find in this text that the thief is a deceiver. Amen. The word talks about the wiles of the devil, the, the plotting and the scheming and the manipulation. Don't be ignorant of his devices. Literally means head trips. He's a head tripper. And don't match wits with him because you won't be able to. Because he's been doing it a long time. You just take your place as a child of God and say, shut up, devil. I'm not here to debate with you. You have no place here, you deceiver. Get out of here. You manipulator, get out of here in Jesus' name. So, he's a deceiver. We got that? Who deceives? Who deceives? Uh-huh. What else do you want to call him? Satan. That serpent of old. The great dragon. Whatever, man. He's a deceiver. There's no truth in him. Why? Because he's a liar. All right. Verse 10, please. What else do we find out? Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. He's no longer allowed there. Word says that he used to stand before God and accuse mankind. He's no longer there, but how many know he's still 
an accuser. Now listen, I'm trying to tell you, we're moving toward abundant life. We ain't going to get abundant life if you let this sucker in the house. You let the thief come in and steal, kill, and destroy, you're not going to experience abundant life. You're going to get the same old life that the guy down the street that don't even know God, lost as a goose in a snowstorm. Come on, somebody. You're going to have the same life they have because you let the thief in. And if you don't know who the enemy is, you're going to blame God for everything. You're going to blame yourself or blame the guy down the street. He's an accuser. He accuses you to others. He accuses others to you. This is where all offenses come out of. Accusations. Constant accusations. Tries to divide because he knows a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. He knows a home divided against itself will not stand. A business divided against itself will not stand. And there are people, there are Christians, I ain't talking about the world, I'm talking about the church, that lets that mess just go on and not even knowing the thief is in there stealing, taking, taking everything he can. Destroy your marriage, destroy your household, destroy your business, destroy your church. The thief is an accuser. So when accusations start flying, that's when we ought to say, whoa, 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 we're done. I ain't going there. I didn't say you turn around and correct everybody else. You got enough on your hands, just keeping you straight. We can sit around and see when everybody else is accusing, but how about when you're sitting here accusing them because they're accusing somebody else? It's just a vicious cycle. And the enemy stands back and he goes, <laughs> gotcha. Everybody say, we have an enemy. And he's an accuser but he's not welcome here. Say he's not welcome here. All right. Are we okay? All right. Let's look at something else here. All right. Hallelujah. Let's go to, put John 12 and 31 up there, Karen. It says here, uh, now is the judgment of this world, now the ruler of this world will be cast out. The ruler, Jesus called him the ruler. So in other words, he, the system of the world, he's the ruler. He was the, why, why was he, how did he become the ruler? I mean, who, who allowed him to be the ruler of this world? Who did that? No, 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 no. See, right now we're blaming God for something. Who did that? Adam did that. That Adam? Someday we're going to get to meet Adam, but you be merciful. <laughs> I'm sure he's back there thinking every time somebody walks in that door, they look at me and going, you did this to us. <laughs> I mean, no, it wouldn't have mattered if it was Adam. It would have been the next generation. Somebody else would have done it. Come on, somebody. Are you still with me? 
says here he is the ruler. He's the, he's the one that tries to control. Literally, the scripture says, we're going to see a verse here in a minute, where he, he literally has sway over the world. Dictates how they do things and how they function. But the word says this. Jesus himself said this in John 17. He says, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. So even though he's right now dictating the sway of the world, he doesn't have to dictate you. And even though he's out there taking and stealing and killing, he doesn't have to do that to you. Are you still with me? Give me another one, Karen. What else we got here? Let's see what we got here. Second Corinthians, oh, that's a good one. Second Corinthians 4 and 3. But even if our gospel, the good news, is veiled, it is veiled to those who are, what, perishing. Now listen, talking about those that, amen, they're not receiving the word. Why are they not receiving the word? Well, because whose minds the God, now he calls them the God of this age has blinded. See, the reason the gospel sometimes ain't getting through some because we have an enemy, a thief snuck in there, and he's blinded the minds of people. So if you get the God of this age out of the picture, out of the equation, they're no longer blinded. See, we have an enemy. Sometimes we're trying to press forth with the gospel and we have an enemy trying to shut it down by manipulating, lying, maneuvering, uh, you know, through the wiles and, and, and head games and head trips. He's in the background trying to mess things up. You just stand your ground who you are as a child of God and bind that sucker. Come on and get him out of the equation. You might find that all of a sudden prayers are starting to uh, penetrate now. All of a sudden, somebody's mind's starting to open up where they can begin to uh, receive the good news. Come on. Sometimes we'll go around, we'll go, we'll go, I just, you know, some people are just hard nuts to crack. They just hard nut to crack. I found, the, I found that the hard nuts to crack are the easy one, easiest ones to crack. You take care of the enemy. All of a sudden, they're, they're all of a sudden ready to roll. All of a sudden, they're ready to say, hey, I want some of that. Come on now. But if you don't watch it, you forget there's an enemy. I said, if you don't watch it, you forget there's an enemy. If we don't watch it as believers, we miss him. He's hiding behind the shadows. He's sneak, he snuck in back there. He's kind of hanging out and doing what he does and getting away with it. Listen, you know, if, if, you know, some thief tries to walk in our house, he just, he's going to meet Tommy 12-gauge. Right? Somebody said, what? I mean, you're just going to let a thief walk in and take, and you just say, uh, you know, here's my valuables. You can have these. And if you come over to this room, I'm going to show you all the stuff you can have over here. Do you do that? No, you don't do that. But you have to understand the enemy sneaks in there. If you don't watch it because you're not catching it, he just sneaks in, goes from room to room and takes and devours and messes with your family, messes with your, your loved ones, messes with your extended family. We have an enemy. Whew. So he may not hear, right? All right, let's look at another one here. How about this one? This will be the last one, and then we'll kind of move on. Give me Matthew 4. There it is. Now, this is, of course, Jesus when he was, went out to the mount, you know, went out to, to be tempted. 
And it says, and when the tempter came to him. Ever say tempter. Now, who's the tempter? Now, I had to bring this up because you got to understand who tempts? The devil. Does God tempt? Who tempts? The devil. In fact, James made it clear. He said, don't ever say. Don't ever let this come out your mouth that I've been tempted by God. For God is neither tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man. But a lot of people say, well, you know, God did that to show me something. God did that to see if I'd stand. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. God ain't going to tempt you to try to fall back or tempt you to quit or tempt you to give up. But you better watch it. Remember, we have an enemy. We have a thief. Somebody says, well, we know that. I've heard some of you talking. Some of you ain't quite settled on the fact that we have an enemy. Or at least settle on who your enemy is. We have an enemy, and it ain't God. And it ain't your neighbor. And it ain't even you. All right. Now, let's go, let's do this, Karen. Let's put uh, 1 John 3 up there. Let's settle something right here. <clears throat> Jesus said this. He who sins is of the devil, and it literally means the uh, to continually, he's talking about it habitually, okay, live this way. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest, why? To destroy, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Why did Jesus come? To destroy the works of the devil, all right? Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That's why you never see Jesus putting sickness on anybody. Who's the healer? Who's the oppressor? Who's good? Who bad? Settle it. That's why he came to destroy the works of the devil. Are you still with me? Put Hebrews 2 up there. We'll kind of, we're moving a lot slower than I wanted to, Karen, but that's, I appreciate it. Amen. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, talking about Jesus, that through death, through his death, he might destroy him who had, past tense, the power of death, that is the devil. devil. Let's go ahead and put the next verse up. And release those, that means you and me, who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Not only did he come to destroy the works of, 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 the, of the devil, praise God, but he came to free you, amen, from the fear of death. And he destroyed, through his death, destroyed the one who had the power of death. He no longer has the power of death. The enemy can no longer... Come on, can no longer determine your lifespan. Somebody said, well, he got in. Yes, right. You let him in. Now you're deceived. Now you're letting him take. Is anybody hearing me today? Now, are you glad you came out today? I'm glad you came out today. 
Amen. We've got a picnic we're going to have fun in here in a bit. But we're going to go to our picnic knowing who our enemy is. Because some of us, we get to playing games, we're doing things, we get a little competitive, and then we forget. You know, so-and-so ate my piece of meat. I wanted that meat. He got it. Anyway. Yeah, last piece of cheese. Can't believe you took the last piece of cheese. Who do you think you are? He's your brother in Christ, hungry for cheese. <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> All right. All right. Now, Jesus came with a purpose, right? Here we go. Verse uh, Revelations 1.18. Let's put that up there. All right. Jesus talking. He said, I am he who lives. Now, this is after the resurrection, right? I am he who lives and was dead. Come on. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen, or so be it. There we go. And I have, I have the keys of Hades and of death. One translation says, the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Amen. The word Hades in itself literally means the unseen. Okay? We know it's referring to hell, but it's talking about demonic, the unseen demonic realm. Okay? And of death or deathly uh, devices and things like that. So what he's saying is, I have the keys, amen, of the unseen realms and death, amen, in itself. I have those keys. Who has the keys? Jesus did. Okay. Now in Matthew 16, in talking to the boys, he said, I'm going to give you some keys. Well, I can't give them to you right now, but I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Everybody say keys. keys. Keys unlock things. Keys lock things up. Keys shut things down and open things up. Are you still with me? Now he says, I took the keys. The enemy no longer has authority, no longer has power. But if you let him, he will sneak in and manipulate you into thinking. He's got power. Put Matthew 28. Let's look at something. This is the text after the resurrection. He, uh, the Great Commission, a lot of times, is referred to. And uh, the Matthew's account says it this way. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Why does he have all authority now? He's got the keys. Good job, bro. Woo! got the keys. He has the keys now. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19, go therefore. In other words, you take this and go with it and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, uh, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I, I've taught you things. Now, of course, in context, he's talking to his disciples. But Jesus not only commissioned the, the 12, he commissioned the 70 one time. He commissioned the 120 in the upper room. And we know here, according to this, he says, what I'm teaching you, you go now and teach them. So now you've been commissioned to go do the same things. So you've got some keys. 
You have some authority. In fact, let's look at Matt, uh, Mark's account. Put Mark's account up there. Are you doing okay? Yes. Uh, my son's going to love me for all these verses. He's got a lot of editing to do. He's, he's going to love all this. Amen. And he said to them, go into all the world. See, there's that go ye thing. You never know. You notice he never said stop ye. He said, go ye, come on, go ye, or back up ye. He said, go ye, right? In other words, take this authority, go into all the world and preach the good news, the gospel to every creature. Verse 16, please. And he, uh, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Now, what do, you, what do you, go back to that verse. What do you think you should do, believe or not? Believe. believe. Look at your name and say, be good, good thing to believe. All right. Okay, it's, not, it's, not, it's not good to not believe. That's in, you're going to be in trouble. All right, that's definitely giving the enemy place. Verse 17 now, I'm sorry. Thank you, Karen. And these signs, these signs will follow those who believe. And he said, in my name. The first thing he says, they will cast out demons. So he says, oh, I'm in no place to antagonize anybody. I, I, I don't want to. But he said, in my name. Does anybody know what the word name means? It's a Greek word, onoma. Okay, O-N-O-M-A. O-N-O-M-A. Onoma. It means authority. It means authority and character. In my authority and character, amen, cast out demons. He goes on, speak with new tongues, take up serpents, even if you drink anything deadly, by no means hurt them. Hurt you, and you will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. First off, you don't chase serpents and look for poison. It just means that you got no matter what's against you, whether it's something natural, whether it's some, some poison or some kind of thing that's been arrayed, anything that's been arrayed against you, you have authority to stand your ground. That's what he means. But the first thing he mentions is take authority over the enemy. Take my authority. I've, been, I've got all authority now. I'm now handing it to you. Do what you're supposed to do, the same works that I do, shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do. He commissioned the disciples in Matthew 10, go heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely receive, freely give. Somebody says, whoa, wait a minute, man, I'm not a preacher. No, you're a child of God with the greater one on the inside, walking with authority. Sometimes all you just need to do is just start praying. But take authority over your enemy. Don't let the enemy continue to, to rip you off. Are you still with me? All right. You still there? Yeah. Woo! I'm winding down. Here we go. James 4, 7. Submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will... Flee, literally means to flee in stark terror. He will flee in stark terror from you. The problem is most believers have that mixed up. They find themselves submitted to the enemy and resisting God. To submit means to yield to. Get this, if you... If you yield to the enemy, he don't have to yield to you because he's in control. If you yield to the enemy, he don't have to yield to you. If you're submitted to him, he don't have to submit himself to you. That's why we first and foremost submit ourselves to God. Amen. Let God walk you through this. Let God empower you. Let God lead you. 
and then take that and begin to resist or oppose the enemy. We are called as believers to resist the enemy. That's just a lot to ask. That just, I don't know, I just feel uneasy. Listen, you better get past that. You might find that that abundant life is just on the other side of that. Right now, he's stealing. He's manipulating. He's oppressing. He's taking life instead of giving life. And you're standing here letting him do it because you're afraid to resist. The enemy has no more authority over you. He has no more authority, period. He's been stripped of his authority. But he's really good at manipulating. Oh, he's a head tripper, man. And he knows he's so good at it. That's why you don't get into some kind of head game with him. Because he's going to beat you every time. Because he's been doing it for a lot of years. He did it right from the get-go. Man handed over authority because he manipulated. He took a truth and kind of twisted it to find out where she was at. And then when she bought it, it wasn't long and, and, and hubby fell right along. Hubby should have stood his ground and said, shut up, you old serpents. Get the heck out of here before I cut your head off. Now get out of here. So he said, well, where, where did he come from? Well, the word says he's a created being that fell due to iniquity that was found in him. How did iniquity find place in him? The word says because he was arrogant, prideful. And all of a sudden it opened the door for iniquity to be found in him because he thought he could be God. And that didn't work for him. So what did he do? He does the next best thing. I'll take your creation and mess with him. And so Jesus comes along and says, listen, up till now you didn't have a clue who you were up against. But now I'm telling you who you're up against. And you're going to have to stand your ground and resist. Now I'll help you. Submit to me and I'll walk you through it. I'll show you how to do it. I'll empower you. I'll lead you along the way. But you have to resist. There are two things that God, uh, basically two main things that God won't do for you. He will not receive for you and he will not resist for you. You have to use your faith to receive and use your faith to resist. But when you do, God's there to empower you and walk you through it and help you with it. But you have to initiate it. And he said, well, God, just take the devil away. Don't you think if that was the case, it would have been... So he said, well, I just don't get it. Why isn't God so great? So big? Listen, listen. Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me, both in heaven and earth. Now you go. and You take it and you go do it. See you later. He said, well, what? Where, where's he going? He ascended. The word said he sat down at the right hand of the Father. What's that mean? It means I'm done. You're now doing it. Authority now is back into your hands. Amen. When you were designed, when you were made, I put authority in your hands to have dominion and authority over this planet. I have now gave it back to you to go do it. Now go do it. So he says, why don't God do something about all these problems? 
And God said, why don't my church take care of these problems? Now, he's probably not whining. But I do think there are some angels standing back sometimes and just scratch your head going, dude, lady, knock him out. Kick him out. Don't let him do that. So he said, well, why, 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 why don't the angels do it then? Because you didn't commission them either. Because you don't know who your enemy is. You're too busy blaming God. You're too busy blaming yourself or blaming your neighbor or blaming your spouse or blaming your kid. The whole time you got an enemy. He just stands back and laughs because you get all caught up in it. In the meantime, you could have just said, shut up, devil. Now get out of here in the name of Jesus. I speak the blood of Jesus over this situation. Amen. You overcome him by the blood of the lamb, the word of his testimony, and loving not your life. Even under, I'm standing my ground. I refuse to back up. I'm in it to win it. Get out of my way, devil. You foul spirit. Get out of here. Amen. So we say, now wait a minute. Some guys did that, and they went out buck naked. Sons of Sceva. But they, didn't know who they, they still didn't know who they were. They said, I come at you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. If they would have just said, Paul, I want what you got. Then he would have said, all right, receive the Lord. All right, all right, in the name of Jesus, I receive that. And then he could have went and says, I come at you in the name of Jesus whom I serve. Yeah. See, the enemy knew who he was up against. He's like, you don't even know who you are. I'm going to take you forever. I'm just going to take your clothes. Well, there's a lot, there's a lot to that, amen. Okay, whew. First Peter 5, quick. Come on, let's be a fast congregation. Let's go. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. He walks about and makes a lot of noise. Yeah, that's right. Proverbs says that the teeth of your adversary have been knocked out. He's just going to try to gum you. Hey, listen, listen. Now, we laugh about that, but you're going to one day get to see this sucker for who he is. And the Word says this. This is what the Word says. The Word says you're going to look at him and then look back at God and look at him and look back at God, and you're going to say, he? He's the one that we were all afraid of? He's going to be like, <laughs> and you go, oh, scared of a toothless liar and this Oh, some little imp from, right, come on. You think. So it says you got to be sober and be vigilant. The word sober, I mean, think about it. You know, somebody, okay, if that person says, well, I'm now sober. Well, see, at one time you might have been under the influence of another. To be sober means to be no longer under the influence of another. That's necessary because here comes the pressure. Here comes the circumstance. Here comes, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my God. What are you? You're under the influence. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're letting that circumstance dictate you now. You're under the influence of that pressure. See, be sober. Don't be under the influence. You say, oh. that all you got, you foul devil? Get out of here. Somebody says, Pastor... That's all. I don't know, man. Be sober. Be vigilant means watchful. 
That sucker tries to sneak in and steal. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may. You just have to stop and say, whoa, I got by my Bible, it says this, he may not hear. Why? Because I remain sober and vigilant. I refuse to be moved by it. Amen. And I'm going to be watchful. We'll find that sucker out. Amen. Listen, if something's going on, don't just sit here and scratch your head, get all mad at God. <laughs> whoa, whoa, break, stop, breaks, 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 hold it. We have an enemy. And he's in the room somewhere. What are you going to do? I'm going to be watchful. I'm going to catch you out. And I ain't talking about people. Come on, no, flesh and blood. That's not your problem. But we still have an enemy. And he's back in the back in the shadows, manipulating and new. And you got to remember, wait a minute, wait a minute. If something ain't flowing, something ain't. Listen, I'm not experiencing abundant life. What's the deal here? How come the curse is dominating? How come the enemy's in here? Why is the enemy in here? Remember, listen, remember, 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 Joshua. God, we dropped. Jericho, we couldn't even move. AI, these little, little terabon-sized town took us down. What's the deal? He's blaming God. He said, God said, hey, son, I'm not your problem. I'm not your problem. You got sin in the camp. Somebody opened the door and let the enemy in. And then he, he changed his tune. They figured it out. They dealt with the problem. 31 consecutive victories after that. Because we shut down the enemy. Is anybody hearing me today? So he's asking you to do the same thing. So verse, see, we see all this, but then verse 9 tells us what to do. Resist him! Steadfast, anchored, solid. In the faith. And I love how it says this, knowing that the same sufferings or pressures are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. It's, everybody out there has the same. You think, you go, I just, nobody has the same stuff. Nobody deals with the stuff I have to deal with. I just how come everything always says, ah, now you got the liar manipulating. He's twisting things and trying to get you all caught up in it. Everybody has the same kind of pressures, the same things to deal with. If, all the, if, the, if the church as a whole would resist the enemy, wouldn't this be a different planet? I said planet. Woo! Shut that sucker down. Give him some island maybe off the, I don't know, maybe not. That's true, the islands and the seas are Lord. You're right, Trudy. She corrected me. Always does. Always gets me. That's right, though. Amen. But hey, if everybody resists, huh? Come on, what happens? We walk abundant life. If everybody's living abundant life, what happens? Huh? We can now do what we're called to do without hindrance. Without hindrance. Put Ephesians 4. We're just going to do verse 27. Thank you. This whole text is a beautiful text. Nor give place to the devil. 
Don't give him place. The uh, word place, um, topos, topos, T-O-P-O-S, T-O-P-O-S. It's a Greek word. But it means give him ground. Give him a location. Give him, give him some space. Give him a foothold. One translation even says, uh, in fact, some of your cross-references might even say that, give him an opportunity. Don't give the enemy an opportunity. Don't give him place. Okay? The whole text in here, all the way through this, is about, especially about the last 10 verses, it deals with don't, don't, don't walk like the enemy, or, or probably don't walk like the world walks, don't think like the world thinks, um, uh, get your minds renewed, don't, uh, don't pull back on the old nature, uh, put on the new man, throw off the old man. Why? Because you're giving place to the enemy. Don't let your emotions get the best of you. Be angry and sin not, says. Somebody says, what? Listen, God didn't say you couldn't be angry about something. He just says, you better just keep your emotions in control. Because there's some things that do make you mad. Come on. But pretty soon, if you don't watch it, you give place. And now we're doing things we shouldn't be doing. And we're saying things we shouldn't be saying. Point your anger at the enemy. But the point is, is we do these things, and what we've done now is we've given him place. Look at the neighbor and say, not here, uh uh. The word give here means to grant or to yield or to submit, to give consent or give power to. So every time. You open the door with doing all these other things. You give him a place. You give him power to come in now and destroy. That's why we want to walk clean. Okay, last text. Can you handle one more? All right, let's go first, John. Thank you. All right. We made it. We know... That whoever is born of God does not sin. That just means habitually sin, okay? In other words, you don't live this way. It doesn't say, mean that once in a while there ain't a mistake made, right? And you repent, make it right, turn, get yourself back. But we're talking about people that just live this way. But he who has been born of God, uh-oh, keeps himself or guards himself. See, be sober, be vigilant. Why? It says this, if you keep yourself, it says, and the wicked one does not touch him. That's a promise. If you'll keep yourself, come on, and not give him place, he can't touch you. That means abundant life is free to roam around the cabin. But when we're, you know, we're yielding to things, the word sin just literally means. Uh, actually, uh, James defined it as to know to do good and not to do it. In other words, sin isn't something that, it isn't just making a mistake. Sin is, you knew what you're doing and you did it anyway. And you have to understand, see, listen, listen, that's why we're talking this stuff. Because if you know there's an enemy, you're more apt to say, you know, crossing that line ain't worth it. I'm not going to give place to the enemy here. I'm not going to let him come in and touch my household, touch my family, touch my, my business, touch my health. 
touch my mind. I'm not going to let him in. So I choose to do what's right. So I'm going to sow the do-good seed instead of following my flesh and let my flesh dictate. And now all of a sudden I got the devil in here trying to run him out, looking for a miracle now to get the devil out. Come on, somebody. Anybody hearing me? Verse 19. We know that we are of God and the whole world, here we go, lies under the sway of the wicked one. But you're not of it because you're of God. So even though the whole world is under, that sometimes that's the only difference. When you're coming into a situation, it's like, why does that guy glow? Because he's not under the sway of the wicked one. There's nothing dousing the light. The world has all this going on, and for some odd reason, abundant life seems to always knock at your door. And they're thinking, I just don't get it. You live on the same street I live. How come, how come that kind of, how come it knocks on your door and don't knock on mine? And you say, well, because you might be under the sway of something. They're going, what? Something is lurking. And you're going, they're going, What? And they start thinking, you know, Hollywood, horns and a pitchfork. No. And say, no, he's just a deceiver. He's trying to take everything from you. That's what he does. He tries to act like he's your friend, but he's not your friend. He just steals, kills, and destroys That's what he does. But I tell you what, I can introduce you to the person that will take that thing around. And you can stand your ground never have that happen again. And the same life I got, you can have. You might be no more apt to say, they might be going, Oh, okay, I want some of that. Well, anyway, verse 20. And we know huh, that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. That's what's happening today. Look at your neighbor and say, we're getting understanding. <laughs> Woo! We're getting understanding. Amen. That we may know who is true, and we are in Him who is true. In other words, we're going to know Who's your problem? Is God your problem? No, because no, He is true. So we're going to know Him who is true, and we're going to, what? We are in Him who is true, and His Son, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Praise God. That abundant life, that life we're called to. Praise God. Perpetual Zoe life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Verse 21, though. <gasps> Oh, but little children, keep yourselves from idols. Somebody says, why do you throw that in there? It literally means substitute. Something that deceives to make it look like it's something that it's not. That's what it means. So here it comes. Here comes something to try to sucker you into this and pull you into that. And the whole time, it's just an enemy behind the scenes trying to manipulate Somehow get you away from your source, to get you away from the light, to get you pulled out of who you are and what you're called to, out of that life that's, that's supposed to be yours, just kind of woos you out, sways you pretty soon as you do. No. 
there's a lot of church folk that's what you're under a sway. Listen, it's all smoke and mirrors. It's lies and deception. It's manipulation. He's just taken. He's, he rocks you to sleep and then takes. Ephesians, he brings it out. He says, wake up, people! Arise from the dead. He's talking to the church. Why? Because they... And the enemy just, while you're sitting here, swaying. He just takes, 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 takes. And then every now and then you kind of shake yourself and you go, how did I lose all that? How did that all happen? God, oh, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be his name. Do you know that the individual that said that got rebuked for saying it? And yet we use it. God is not the taker. He's the giver. The only thing you can even remotely go to is if, where God sets those in authority and He can remove them out of authority. But when it comes time to thievery and taken, He is not the author of that. Are you with me? We have an enemy. But he's been found out. Woo! Hallelujah. Anybody get something today? Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.